The following podcast is a Dear Media production. Hi, we're Carlene and Jill, hosts of Breaking Beauty Podcast, the show all about the breakthrough people, products, and moments in beauty. On our show, you're going to find hella inspiring guests like Emily Weiss of Glossier, and you'll get beauty tips galore from the top pros in the industry, like Kim Kardashian's makeup guru, and you'll hear skincare secrets from the likes of Dr. Pimple Popper. Plus, you'll get shopping help with our Damn Goods episodes, where we review the latest products hitting store shelves to let you know what's actually worth your money. Listen every Wednesday to Breaking Beauty Podcast. I'm Caroline Stanbury, star of The Real Housewives of Dubai. I'm remarried and living my best life ever. See, there's so much life after divorce. I'm starting my new chapter unapologetically. I'm bringing real stories, real life, Real talk on all things that aren't said between each other, society, the sheets, and everything in the middle. And lucky me, you'll be joining me on the journey. Listen to all new episodes every Wednesday. So buckle up. So welcome back to another episode of Divorce Not Dead. And I'm super excited to be joined by Tasha Graziano, who is... Well, I mean, so many bows to her string, whatever is string to her bow, podcaster, mindset coach, motivational speaker, best-selling author, mom, top, well, your podcast has a hundred million views. I'm slightly jealous. Top 10 podcasts downloaded in 2021, law of attraction podcast hosted by success magazine. Well, welcome and congratulations to you. What a life. Hi, babe. So happy to be here. Thank you for a gorgeous intro. Oh, and I love your, your pink mic. There I am. Oh, and the book. book. Yes. yes. So, uh, how are you managing all of this? First of all, well, we've just had it. We've just had a chat. I've just come on yours, and it was amazing. And I know that you are so well known for motivational speaking, and I feel so good having spoken to you. And you speak with the likes of Tony Robbins, Mark Cuban. I mean. How do you manage all this? And you're a mom and you're married and, and, and. You know what? It's all about balance. What I realize is in life, we are only as good as we are. So when you show up every day, you don't show down. So every day, if you just aim to be 1% better, you will feel that bit better. I don't ever go out there and think today I'm going to be the best at my, my momhood. I'm going to be the best cook. I'm going to be the best in my career. All I do is I wake up and I go, how can I serve my purpose better in today? How can I reach more people? How can I impact more lives? But how can I also be there for my son? And you know what? It was hard. I'm not going to lie. There were times in my life when it was really fucking difficult. I was a single mom. I had no money. I was in tens of thousands of debt, which went into hundreds of thousands. I was suicidal. I was in a really dark place. I was like, I've got no home. I'm fucked. How do I get out of this? But it's from that low. I created the life I have today. If I didn't hit rock bottom and go through chaos, I wouldn't have shattered my ego around me and got off the pedestal safely, which has enabled me to know how I want to live my life in a balanced way. That is nuts. Okay, let's just stop there because I do feel that, you know, when you go down to the low, and I, th- I do feel like a low in all of our lives is super necessary. It kind of gives you the shift, a total shift in your life to clear the way to lift yourself up. Now, you just said hundreds of thousands of debt. I, w- I mean, I have anxiety if I have credit cards. 
bet. I don't even have credit cards because I think I had, I had, what did I have? I think 20,000 pounds worth of debt when I was younger on my credit card and I ripped them all up. I mean, in fact, I didn't rip them up. My secretary did. And she, she ripped them up, put them on my desk and said, you can use these as Christmas tree decorations. So I don't know how you even cope with that with no, like I know if I got myself into hundreds of thousands in debt, I do own a house in the UK. So I could kind of figure out how I would plan B. I always need my plan B. But if you don't have a fucking plan B, how did you, you know, mentally get yourself through that and also become this sort of phenomenon that you seem, you know, that you are? Well, you know what? When I was in that place, it was dark. Like I was, you know, spending more than I could afford every day. I didn't know where I was going to eat next. It was really bad. And I think it was quickly, more- sorry, how old were you? Oh God, this was all through my early 20s and it went until I was 26. Like I was in a lot of debt at 27, 28, 28 was bad. Yeah. So 2018 was like the worst year of my How life. How on earth was you get my... into that much debt? Who gives you that much credit anyway? So exactly. Well, a lot of it was personal loans. A lot of it was like a friend would lend me 20 and another friend would gave me 30. And then I had two credit cards, which were like 30K loans each. And you're well over a hundred by this point. So it was just a mess. It was like, I just, you know, I, I actually paid them off by the beginning of 2020. And I just was so proud of myself that I changed my life around so drastically. Debt is terrifying. And it wasn't something I ever wanted to get into. You don't go into your life thinking I'm going to get into debt today. But coming through that is what has like a pressure cooker. I would never take out a credit card now. You know, we do it just to build credit in, in places it, with minimal amounts. You just, that you, you have to in certain ways, but I just have no, <laughs> I get that. I have no interest in ever taking myself down a road, which is scary like that. Cause fear, right? Fear can take over your life. And it did, but fear is just false evidence appearing real. It doesn't exist. But I had to go through this pressure cooker to change who I was because I didn't, if I looked at who I am back then, God, I would never want to be that girl. But I had to first be that young, dumb girl to be the older, wiser woman that I am today. I 100% agree with you. I think, you know, as I said, I think there is a risk in life that you need to take to, to get somewhere else. There's a difference between overspending so that you can, you know, keep up with the Joneses and live a better life that isn't your life to overspending and understanding that you're going to get, you know, that you're putting it into something, right. That's going to give you something the other end. So if you're investing in yourself, but. Oh yeah. Investing in yourself is the most crucial thing to do. Investing like in education, in educating yourself, investing in your business. These are wonderful things. But just don't go and spunk money on clothes and shit you just don't need if it doesn't serve your mission. Agreed. Although it serves my mission because I'm on reality TV. So clothes and all of the shit you don't need. <laughs> but you're not in debt. You're not doing it in debt. I was doing it when I couldn't afford it. Well, so you it know, there bad. are things sometimes like this year I said has been the most bizarre year for me ever because, you know, I still have, I mean, the whole UK economy just collapsed as I was about to sell my house. So you know, literally as I was going to sell my house. And so, you know, I, I've delayed that, left that there. So that is always my nest egg in a way, you know, I know it's there. So I don't get the, the fear, 
But when you do things like reality TV and all of this, you do have to invest in ridiculous shit that normally, I suppose, every every day other people don't need, you know, because the clothes are your costumes. They are the thing. That's what people are drawn to. They love to see your hair. As you said, why is my hair like this? Because my hairdresser lives with me. My makeup artist lives with me. If I was a normal woman that didn't do what I do, this would never, you know, I'm super happy in tracksuits and none of it. But, you know, that that isn't good to watch on TV. People come to watch your outfit. They want to see what you're wearing. They want to see, you know, the, the, the glamour and the glitz. So it's interesting, but I don't have credit cards for that reason. But, you know, this year, let me say, okay, I, maybe I, I, you know, I panic and I go, okay, I'm not doing as well as I used to. But actually when I break it down, I am. It's just that, you know, I set myself this, these bars, but this year has been a year where we had to buy a house and we decided, you know, stupidly or not to build it from the ground up, you know, rather than that. So you're investing, but I'm then, so when, when you are sort of going, thinking that, you know, oh my God, I could go, go under, but I'm doing it for myself because what am I going to get it out of at the end? A home I own, I'm going to live in for a very long time with my children, happiness than that. And if I'm happy, everybody's happy and I can go on and make more money. I absolutely love that. And that is having a good mindset. That's having a success mindset. That's having a really strong mindset that's built on rocks, not sand. That's having exactly the right frame of mind, which so many people forget in today's world to focus on yourself and focus on what makes you truly happy and what's good for you. Whereas I was not focusing back in the day on who and what I wanted to be. I was focusing on there and then, the minutes there and then, getting by survival mode. You know, so many people in the world are actually living in poverty and they don't even know, or they do know, but we don't see it. You know, it's like they are living, just getting by surviving, but we want to get out of the survival mode and thrive. Life is to be lived, to be loved, to be happy, to exist and feel amazing every day. And when you wake up, you get a choice and you are the queen of happiness. Like when I asked you what your superpower was, you're like, I'm, I'm, happy. That's my gig. Like, and you are, and that's amazing that you own that and know what you're good at. And you spread that light around the world. Well, how did you then, like, what are the steps? Because people, you know, don't get to see, or, you know, I mean, the the biggest thing people always want is a sort of a how to, or a a takeaway, right? Right. And obviously everybody's story is different. But if I was in my early twenties and hundred thousand thousands dollars, I mean, dollars worth of debt, First of all, don't you go into sort of, you know, victim mode, then you go into sort of denial. How on earth you go, I'm going to fix this because it seems unfixable, especially if you don't have that country house like lurking in the background that, you know, okay, <laughs> I could always raise some money on that. Or you don't have, you know, I don't know, you know, you didn't have your podcast. You didn't have your book. How, how the fuck do you go from that girl to this girl? So you start day by day. You literally decide today is the first day of my turnaround. Today is the first day of when I become somebody else. And you have to literally, like my book says, be it until you become it. So it's not fake it till you make it because we don't want to fake it. We don't want to just pretend. We've got to be it in our thoughts, in our feelings, in our actions. So it's neuroscience. We have to hardwire into our brain these new neural pathways of self-belief, self-worth, and a new ideology about ourselves and believe that something greater is possible. And I did. I just decided I have to change this and I'm not going to get out of debt today. 
In fact, I may not get out for 10 years, but you know what I will do is I will call them and negotiate and pay slowly. And I will start to work and make money and slowly pay it back. You know, I, I managed to do it a lot faster than I, what I wanted within a year, but that was a year and a half, whenever it was. But that's because I turned my life around and used my mind and all the techniques that I know of how to become something greater than you really are. I mean, that's fascinating. So you didn't, I mean, I don't know anything about your husband per se, except he's very good looking, just seen him and you're the opposites of me. And Sergio, color-wise, two blondes and two brunettes. But does he come from a lot of money or did you build things together? Like, I'm very interested because a lot of people just go out there and they see, you know, marriage as a career path, which I'm oh, I'm uh, horribly against. But, you know, tell me the story between you and your husband then, because when what did he, you know, oh, I got the catch of the century. Here's my new wife who's heavily in debt. How does that go down? So really interesting. So I met him and he does come from a a really good family. Yes. However, that's nothing to do with how he made his money. He traveled the world three, two years ago when we met, he traveled the world for the previous six years. He holds a world record for traveling all 192 UN nations. He's the youngest US and Canadian citizen to have done so. He started his travels at like 20, whatever it was. So he was traveling the world. So he'd made almost no money. He'd just been sort of towards the end, he started a business. Again, he'd always been an entrepreneur before that. He'd started young and then he just went traveling and turned off and did a whole different thing. So when I met him, he was building from the ground up. He took off very fast in what he he did. He was like, I think a year and a half into his business. And I could see, oh, this is someone he's like, what do you call it? A gift horse. He's going to do, he's going to win this race. He's going to do really well. I just saw the potential in him and I just knew this guy's going somewhere. I love this. Let me tell you. Okay. So when I met Sergio, he was at the end of his soccer career. He'd lost a lot of money for, you know, when he lost his contract and he didn't know where he was going because he'd been a soccer player since he was 12 and professional since 15. So I I always find, you know, sportsmen like that kind of institutionalized. Everything's been told to them. They're going to wake up now. You're going to travel now. You're going to go to bed now. You're going to work out six things and you're going to eat this six times a day. You know what I mean? So that they're so institutionalized. It's a different world when you're suddenly let let go and free, right? Although it was his choice, it, it's it's a big life change. You know, you the world is scary when you're only in your, you know 24 and he just got his master's and his degree. But you know, now what? So I think I found him in that pivotal stage too, where you know I, I didn't know because I'm you know unhappy in my marriage, getting divorced, and I didn't know whether my you know the TV show wasn't here yet. I I you know I was I was doing really well here for myself, but you know you you don't know if you can take on somebody else in a way, not take them on, but do you have the strength mentally to build someone else with you? You know, like the the, the natural thing at my age, and I I don't you're much younger than me, but is to look for a man that's already established and stable rather than one that you know that you know you're going to have to stroke and sort of say, let's build this together. Or, you know, both of you are sort of looking at a career path together. And actually it's been one of the best decisions of my life because I'm not stepping into somebody else's life, but you're building a life for the two of you that you both love. And I, I, that's what I think you're saying is that you took a chance. Like all my girlfriends are like, oh my God, your husband's amazing. How cute is he? He's so sweet. So I'm like, you guys wouldn't have looked at him when I met him. 
you would not have looked at him. He was 24 years old and he'd just finished his soccer career. You know, you would have thought he was hot. Maybe you'd have slept with him, but that would have been about it. And it sounds to me that you have this relationship. He'd just come out of traveling, not much direction, you know, sort of like, a, like that kind of hippie yeah, I relate, lifestyle. I relate to you so much. It's the same. Yeah. But you took the chance. So when you took the chance, like my friends told me I was nuts, absolutely fucking nuts. You know, when you take these chances in life, I feel that they kind of work out because, you know, you've pushed yourself to go into the unknown. And the easy route is, you know, the ones that the women that you sort of see in these like huge houses decked in jewelry and they don't have to do anything except have their nails done normally aren't that fulfilled and happy. And that actually that route's the harder route. Looks easier because they're carrying a credit card, but genuinely it's not. You totally nailed it. I mean, you know, I have, as you have, I'm sure, have had the chance and have been with people who wanted to marry me. And I'm sure you've been in the same position who were, you know, financially in the 10 figures, but it didn't fulfill me. I was dating someone right before him who he could see there was like an overlap who was, you know, a 10 figure entrepreneur, quite well known for you know, his business. And I just stepped away. It just wasn't making me happy. I was totally unfulfilled. And I took a chance. I just went, this guy's a young buck, but you know what? We're going to build together and we're going to build something amazing. And here's all my flaws, baby. This is who I am. Here's my shit, crazy past. And you have a past too. And we just opened up every skeleton and just said, this is who we are. This is what I do. I'm divorced. I've got a child. You're going to take on me. And it's a buy one, get one free. Because you're going to have a little boy who you're going to take on as well. And you know what? You're just going to do this. And you're either going to want in or you want out. But I told him, sit the fuck down if you're not ready so the man behind you can stand up. If you're ready, stand up. But if not, there's someone right behind you. Do you have a relationship with your ex-husband? Yep, we are amicable. Definitely. Oh, that's amazing. You know, I, I love stories like this because I think, you know, second marriages do, you know, having... I don't know how long you were married, actually. How long were you married? Five years we were together. Whatever happens, I feel like we know at the end of that what we will and will not accept. Or we don't When you go through any change. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I do think change is so important. And I love what you just said about skeletons and warts and all, because that is the conversation that I have with Sergio, my ex-husband. I, you know, when we started, however long ago, it was like, I never had the conversation about money where we're going, nothing. I didn't know if he had 50 million in the bank or 50p. So, you know, and I, now I feel like that's ridiculous. Even to the 18 years later when we were divorced, I'd never asked him because we were brought up that asking about money is dirty. But the first thing I did with Sergio is I was like, okay, let me know. Like, I want to know exactly what's there. Now I want to go to a lawyer and set it out so that if he spends five, six years with me and then, you know, is unhappy, what, how to make him secure in how he feels, right? Not, not, I don't mean financially secure. I mean, mentally secure that he hasn't wasted five years with me and lost everything. And me the same, like I obviously have money and a house and jewelry and whatever it is that I, I want my kids to have. I wouldn't want him to have if, if it didn't work out in another five years. So it was, we were so honest with each other when we sat there that we wrote everything down so that, you know, he's comfortable and I'm comfortable. And then there's the other way to look at it too, going further. If we, if it does work all the way through, you know, and something happens to me. So I also, I want to do a living, you know, a living will for him so that, you know, it's different 
if, you know, would he get to see the children? I plan everything. And that means that at this stage, if it, there is no scary, you know, which it sounds no, to me like you have, you know, there's no scary. I know what will happen if he goes. He knows what will happen if he goes. And I think you said this on your, when, when I was on the podcast. And what it means is that we're both there for the right reason. And it's okay if we, we don't get much further than seven years or 10 years. That's fine. Hopefully we do. We're not saying it won't, but we know exactly where it is and what it is. And I think, you know, other relationships I've seen, I've seen people break up after exactly on the day that their prenup kicks in. 10 years. I think something changed the different steps in prenup. Oh my God. Yeah. It wouldn't surprise me. I think, look, things have a sell-by date and they also have time limits. You said it earlier so beautifully. Life is a ticking egg. It's an egg timer. Egg timer, right? And it is because in life we have stretches and phases and I call it seasons. So right now we're in a season, each of us individually in our own season. I that call doesn't it chapters. mean summer or chapters. I love it. Well, look, this chapter, honey, is called me. Yeah. This chapter is called, and that should be for anyone listening. You should be going, this chapter of my life is me. Like, this is who I am. This is what I'm going to do in my life. And guess what? If you go into something and you have the expectation it has to work forever, it probably won't. But if you go in the other way, expecting less, but hoping for more, you win. I go into everything thinking, you know what? I'm going to go in and I'm going to give it my all. I'm going to give it my best, but it doesn't last forever. Nothing lasts forever. If I can do seven strong years, amazing. But as soon as it starts to hit, hit the fan, feel negative, feel like a bad vibration. I don't want to live in that anymore. And so I step away. You have to decide for yourself when that is. And I just make that decision with anything, friendships, relationships, business. I've let go of so many people and people are like, God, your turnaround so fast. Well, I just realized when somebody comes in, they give me their all for a year, for two years. And then suddenly they start to flake. And I'm like, you are not helping us reach another hundred million people in the next five years, you're slowing the team down. I love this. I think that's very powerful. Well, I mean, there's a couple of things I'd like to go into that. One is, I mean, I do feel that, you know, you have to shed your friends because you outgrow people. And that's not because, you know, we're, some people think it's because maybe we're in the public eye. And, you know, I know I have a lot of famous people, famous friends that only have yes people around. I don't want that. That's not what it's about. It's about people that, you know, don't serve you, that bring toxicity into your life, that sort of drag you, that drag your soul. You, you feel it when someone walks into a room and they sort of drain your energy. But, you know, you seem to have all of this down at a very young age. Most people think like you do and talk like you do in their 40s because you have this awakening. How on earth did you go? Like, I mean, doing what I do, I always say I'd love to now be a bit of a divorce coach because I really feel like I could help Mm. so many women. But then I'm like, well, I haven't gone to school for it and everything else. I mean, did you- Oh God, you could totally fucking own it. You'd be amazing at it. My mom's a a psychologist. I never went to school for any of it. We do the same thing, just on a different scale. She does private clients at home. She has her own home office. And then I do it on like a big scale. You could do it on a big scale. You could just rock this out and have one-to-ones. Like anybody can do anything at any time. How I got to who I am today is because I hit rock bottom. How did I get my shit together in my head? Because my experiences are more than most people would ever go through in a lifetime. I've already 
been divorced. I've already been pretty much homeless. I've already been all these things because of my own doing. I've already been through all the shit storms and things in my life at a really young age. You know, I was married and out the other side by 28. Like it was so quick. It was like, boom. And so I had to fend for myself as a woman. I had to like find a new way. I had to just build back. And so I have the knowledge. I don't have the degrees to go with it. I've done courses and all kinds of fun things which help. And I understand breathing on a really high level, but I don't have the actual degrees behind me, but you don't need it in today's world. In fact, anybody can be a coach. It's just about deciding what your purpose is, knowing what your purpose is. You get that wake up call that says, hey, I don't want to work in my nine five anymore. I don't want to work in corporate. I want to get out of this and I want to do what I love. I want to do what makes me happy. And then on that day, you just start to plan and think, well, I know what makes me happy. I'm really good at building community. I'm really good at coaching. I'm really good at helping people through divorce, whatever it might be. And then you start to build out your business around that purpose. And anything you do with love and commitment and passion, it's going to make you tons of money because you're giving so much value, more value than what you're being paid. I love that. And I think, you know, you're absolutely right. We, we spoke earlier and you said the biggest step you can make is the first step. And that's my number one rule because so many people talk and don't do the first step. You know, I guess my first step is this podcast and I've realized how many women it does help because I hear it all the time. And you're right. I think when, when we look at inside, it's just stepping over the, the boundaries of fear and just saying, you know, I am good enough you know, you are good enough because experience is key. If you've done it and you've gone through it and you're living the other side, then you, you're experienced. You're okay. And I think you and I are both here to tell people that, you know, what rock bottom isn't, isn't bad. It's not bad. It's actually, it's so necessary to hit that. I mean, although, you know, my, my rock bottom was probably my court case where I thought I was going to lose everything. It was him or me. And it's a very frightening place to be because, you know, you, you're like, I got to the stage where, you know, I was paying so many lawyers bills. I was like, at this point, what's, what's the point of even working? Someone else is taking it. So, you know, I just, I didn't want to get up and they, I didn't want to go any further because I was like, well, it's not for me. It's not benefiting me. It's not benefiting anyone really. So it's like such a waste. But anyway, you know, when you do get to close that chapter and everything else, the positives that come out of it is, you know, it's amazing because the growth you learn, you learn what you will and won't, will not accept. You learn about people holding you back and you're right. You know, friends come and go. And I think women in particular, particular, they have very, very weird relationships with their female friends. And I think, you know, learning that people are here for, a, you know, a season or a part and that's where they're sent to teach us at something and not to take it personally. And just to say, that was wonderful while it lasted, like we do with men, you know, is, is, is a huge, huge. 100%. Like you were saying, right? When you hit rock bottom, I always say to people, never let a bad experience go to waste. Never let a bad experience go to waste. Never let something that happens in your life, trauma, a pain, a bad event, a circumstance that just out of your control. Don't let those things go to waste. You have to evolve and grow through it. My close family member recently had a child and her baby was in hospital for the first week of its life. It was in ICU. That's the word. It wasn't premature. It was just in ICU. It caught an infection. 
And I couldn't help but think the reason this is happening to this baby is actually not for the baby. This is actually for the, per- the, you know, the mother. And I was like, this is happening in her life to help her to evolve. And I kept saying to the other family members, you need to help her to realize that this is for her own growth. And she's meant to smash through her own ego because she's not, she's never had anything bad happen to her in her life. That was probably the first thing where she'd been terrified for the fact she was about to lose her child. But that's a very, very hard message to deliver, Natasha. Like, you know, it's a very hard message. And that's, that's the point. You're like, unless you have a receptive friend, if you went in there, most women walked into a hospital bed and said, this is for you, not for the baby. Most women would have decked you. So yeah. oh, 100%. And you know what? I'm tough love. So I was like, the baby's going to be fine. I knew it. I knew it. And the baby was fine. But I didn't say it directly to her. I was just hoping that somehow she would come to a realization in her own way. And she'd start giving gratitude and praying. I'm just the same. Tough saying. love with everybody. I'm like, this yeah. is your doing, not mine. But, you know, that makes us very, what I call Marmite characters. People either love us or hate us. And, oh. you know... <laughs> I think that's why you and I get on so well. It's like, I just, we just say it how it is. It's raw. I'm unapologetically me. And I always want to do something that helps somebody. But if people don't like my message and don't want to learn about how to better their life, I'm like, don't follow me. You yeah, know, I'm really it, raw. And well, real. you must get it because, you know, like you have this podcast, you have your book, you've become very successful. You're, you're working with the best people there are in your field. And, you know, so a lot of people must go, well, you know, who the fuck are you? And why do you feel like you have the right to tell me what's wrong with my life? You didn't go to school for this. You didn't get this. I mean, I get it because of reality TV. How do you block out those noises? Because a lot of people can't. Yeah, no, no, 100%. Well, look, I'm, I'm ultimately human. So the first thing I want to say to this is there are times when I make mistakes. There are things that I say. There are things that, you know, you don't know how they're going to be taken. They get taken in completely wrong way. And you know that because you're in TV, right? But if I did this for the small voices, the one to two to three people who want to think something negative, say something negative and bring you down for them, then I wouldn't be doing this for the masses. I'm doing this to reach a billion people in my lifetime. I'm doing this to reach so many people. I cannot afford to listen to the one to two to three random small voices who want to bring you down and say, oh, you're not good enough. You shouldn't be doing it. Well, then great. I'm not for you because there's a million other people that will want to hear my message. When I know when I come off the stage that I've literally saved somebody's life, when I get messages and testimonials and videos and letters from people's parents, you saved my child's life. You helped my child or you helped me. You helped my uncle. You it's beautiful. That's why I show up every day because so- I know I am changing someone's life. Take, take me back a minute. So you get yourself out of debt much faster than you think. But how do you go from this girl who is literally, as you said, not me, fucked her life herself, wake up and say, now I'm going to teach other people how to run their lives. Like how and stand on stage. I, what are those steps? Like, because it's, cra- it's a crazy difference at such a young age too. Like how do you then become a New York bestseller? How do you you know, stand with Tony yeah. Robbins, like, I mean, and, and you're not laughed off the stage. Like, how does that happen? How did you learn to even public speak? So the very first thing is I knew that 
everything I was going through, like I was saying, was just an experience for me to go through this pressure cooker to become somebody else. So I knew this was not for me. It was his story, right? Not mine. It was somebody else's story, society's story, someone else's words that I'd allowed to accumulate and help. And well, it didn't help me. It made me become somebody suppressed and without the voice that I knew I had. So when I came out of it and started to come out of it, I started to share that story. And I knew that the vulnerability in my story and sharing what had just genuinely helped me could help somebody else. And that's where it started. I would just share, this is my method. This is what I did. And I'm just sharing this in case it helps someone. And then that someone turned into some two, some three, some four, and it turned into the the audience it is today. But I didn't know it was going to get to the levels where it is. What happens is when you start to get credibility in your area, you start to speak on stages, you start to write books. This is my second book. When you start to do things, you become an expert in your field, right? I'm a Wall Street Journal bestseller. So it says by statistics that therefore I have all these accolades. It puts me in a box. This is all about neuroscience and ancient wisdom. I don't have a degree in it. I don't think you can get a degree in ancient wisdom. I've studied it though. I've spent a lot of time, a lot of books hundreds of books in my lifetime now that I've read, listened to, learned from tutors, mentors, et cetera, and life experience. And all of that combined creates who I am. So yeah, there is always that fear. Like when you first begin, oh my God, am I going to go on stage and people aren't going to like me? I got, I thought people would throw eggs at me when I first went on stage, but I went out there fearlessly as I don't give a fuck if they don't like it because I'm going to share my message. And if they boo me off the stage, then you know what? That wasn't for me and I'll go do something else. But that didn't happen. People received it so beautifully. And then that stage led to another stage. And then that stage led to another stage. And all of a sudden you find yourself alongside Mark Cuban and you find yourself on, you know, amazing stages doing great things. And then the final part of your question was public speaking. How did I learn? The truth is I taught myself. I just started to read books on how to cultivate an audience, how to entice an audience, how to use my voice and go really loud up here and then bring it back down when I'm sharing a story down here, how to speak to people with passion and purpose. I kind of taught myself. And then I, the whole way through COVID, I would do Clubhouse. Clubhouse is how I got known. Clubhouse is how I grew as a coach. It's how I became Stop like a top it. mindset Clubhouse. coach. Yeah, babe. Clubhouse. Oh my God. That's how... That's how I grew my name. I had a room on there every Sunday, my own room called the Law of Attraction Secrets, which born out of it was the podcast, Law of Attraction. But I would have 20 to 25,000 people across four hours come through the room. That's phenomenal numbers. And that was different 20, 25,000 people every Sunday. Obviously, by the end of it, it was, you know, a year and a half in, the numbers are not 20 to 25,000. You've only got like, you know, 5,000 in there if you even get that. So it was just different, you know, at the beginning. But that's how I grew my name. I was very early on the app and everyone knew what I did and they came to my room to get more of it. And I gave the opportunity for others to be loved, heard, seen, and supported. I think that's what helped grow who I am. So you would say like your success story has taken you really how long? Two and a half years. And like, so you you brought yourself out of debt. You're now, you know, sort of a seasoned mentor and teacher to people and you're doing all these sort of amazing things. How did you get your first break? I mean, apart from Clubhouse, like how do you, how do you end up on stage with Tony Robbins? Like, honestly, I mean, you know. So when you, when you see somebody's success, right? I always say to people, that win that you're seeing right here, 
is a series of smaller wins that they've had to go through to get there. So there were so many tiny, tiny, tiny wins that took me to that place where, you know, suddenly I'm on stage with, with him. So what happens is I had, I was on clubhouse. I got picked up by a showrunner producer who was like, Hey, do you want to come speak on this stage? And it was all virtual at the time. So it was still in COVID. So I started doing zoom conferences and then they beat to thousands of people online, tens of thousands at some points, hundreds of thousands of others. And then I spoke for the at the Body Shop conference to 15,000 people. And that showed me how to really speak to a massive audience and how to be able to like, to kind of get through it. And trust me, I winged so much that I did at the beginning. I winged it, but that's because I believed in myself. I believed in my story. I believed in helping someone. I just went... I'm just going to do this. And what's the worst that can happen? And again, it comes back to what fear is. Fear is just false evidence appearing real. You just said something. It just made my skin. What's the worst that can happen? That's words I live by. Honestly, anyone listening out there, that is my motto. That's all. It's that simple. What's the bloody worst that can happen? Nothing. The worst that happens is, as you said, you, you try again. Something, you know, Nothing is going to break you, really break you. And genuinely, if, if it goes right, which it normally does, what is it, you know, what happens if it goes wrong? But what if it goes right? If it goes right, then I can't tell you. I mean, it wasn't 15,000 people. I think it was like 500 and something. My first live, you know, podcast. We were actually meant to do a tour and COVID broke out. So that was a bit sad. But I, so I never got back on stage. I've just, and I moved back to Dubai and the show happened. So I just haven't done live ones but I would love to go back. And I think that, the, the, you know, I remember just standing behind the stage waiting to go on thinking, I can't do this. Like, I'm literally like, what, why the fuck am I here? And all these people were fans because they would just come to see me. There was no one else speaking. And, you know, a few of my girlfriends, but it, it, was, it was all about me. And I was like, okay, this rumor is that no matter what I say, they're here to hear me. So, you know, I don't really think I can go wrong. And from then on in, it was just a roll and a blur because you don't really see anyone. I'm sure you know that. I think the fear and the sickness and the gut-wrenching thing, and it's so easy to go, I'm not going to do this. But pushing yourself forward is so rewarding. And, you know, I'm so impressed, Natasha. Honestly, I've been watching you, you know, now for a while. And, you know, you're in Vogue, Forbes, US Today. I mean, it's crazy what you're achieving. And I love success stories like this because, you know, I tinged with, with making me want more for myself. It's like, you know, and I love what I love about you is you're like me. Like I just asked you, you know, how do you get it more? Because I started a podcast by mistake, like completely by mistake. I'd never spoken like this. I was just sitting in my room in Dubai. I didn't even think that I'd get any listeners, let alone where I am today. But, you know, I have no no idea. I mean, I'm in the middle of Middle East. It's not like there's a ton of American podcasts coming out of here. So, you know, I'm winging it myself, doing the best I can. I don't even know if I've got the right equipment, but I, I want to, you know, I want to learn from you. And I'm not, it's not like I'm going there and I, which a lot of people do and they go, you know, I want what she has. Tell me everything, give me everything and suck it out of her and then tell her to fuck off. You're like me. You're like, well, let me give you this. Let me give you that. Let me tell you how to do this. Let me improve what you've got because there's enough for room for both of us. There's enough room for oh, both God. of us and a hundred times more. Creation, mentality versus competition is everything. Everything. There is enough 
money in the world to go around. There is enough of everything you dream of to go around. There's enough of whenever you see somebody, I always say to people, transform the energy of jealousy, envy, wanting to do it like them into inspiration. So when you see somebody who's already got the car you want, when you see somebody who's already got the dream home or the partner or the the business you want or the podcast you want, what you do is you transcend that energy into inspiration and you say, if they can do it, I can do it. If they can achieve this, so can I. And I, I think that's a really powerful message to sort of end this podcast on. But I would love to come back with you. And I'm going to do this in the Middle East with you because I think it's a very powerful message for women. We will do more. And I could talk to you endlessly because honestly, as I said, I, I do find, you know, listening to you very powerful and very inspiring. You, make, you made me want to leave this podcast and go and make something happen for me today. And that's the point. I think instead of women forget or, you know, look at somebody else and they say, it can't be me. She's better than me. She has a bigger house than me. Her husband's better looking for me. Her child, you know, she makes more money than me. So therefore she can get more than me. That's bollocks. Instead of just saying she started, I can start. And it's not too late. I could be going, well, look at what she's achieved since she's half my age. Instead, you know, I'm going, I'm going to call your, your people right now. That's what I'm going to do. Yeah, (laughs) we got it. This is, this is it. This is it. But you have the mentality and the mindset. It's why you've achieved so much. It's why you are so successful with anything you touch. You create this podcast. You had no idea the way I love that story. And it's so successful. Like it's such an amazing podcast. We know all about it in America. It's epic. Like you've got something which turns to gold because of your mindset. You sit and you take action. So somebody listening to this today, the first thing you want to do is share it with a friend because you're taking action. You're like, somebody else is going to benefit from this. That's the first thing you do. Second thing you do, you subscribe to it. So you listen to this kind of thing every day because what we penetrate our mind with, what we ingest is who we become. If you listen to inspiring reads and podcasts, audio books, things that inspire you, you will go out there. Like you just said, you want to get up and go and make something happen for your day. But if you'd been watching the news and just really a downer or had a shit chat with your friend, you're just not going to feel that great after you feel uninspired. You will only achieve as much as you put in. So what are you doing today? I think that's an amazing place to leave. What are you all doing today? So don't forget to listen and subscribe. And thank you, Natasha, for those inspiring words. Honestly, I am leaping out of this chair and I'm going to write a list of what I am going to achieve today. So thank you. It has been totally inspiring. I absolutely love your energy. And I think everyone else out there on my podcast is going to love your energy too. Thank you for listening to another episode of Divorce Not Dead. Thank you for listening to Divorce Not Dead. Tune in next Wednesday for a new episode. Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear from you. Follow me on social media at, at Caroline Stanbury for all the behind-the-scene action. 